Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I believe that God has a word for you that will build up your faith and help you to really move forward in His plan and purpose for your life. Praise the Lord. Before we jump into today's message, let's honor the Lord and bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. I would like to read a scripture to you from Luke chapter 16, verse 10. That way your faith is strong for financial blessing. Praise God. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, please say that right where you're sitting or standing today, say unrighteous mammon. Jesus said, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches, the true riches, the things that would be maybe what we would call the intangibles, but they manifest by the Spirit, and they bring great blessing in life. But true riches, the anointing, the gifts of the Spirit, these are things you can't put a price tag on. These are things that when God sees that you're faithful in the smaller areas, such as finances, then the Lord says, well, he or she is running that properly. They are being good stewards over that. Let's increase now what's really valuable, the anointing. Woo, praise the Lord. Let's dial up the ability to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, my friends, we see that here expressed by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that these are principles, that when you live your life by principles, not just by like trying to play the lottery of life, not just trying to, you know, just throw out there whatever you can try to do and see what sticks. No, on purpose, on purpose, you are operating your life, your finances by principles, not hoping to win the lottery. Why? That's not a fair system. Any system where only a few can be blessed is not any type of platform that you want to be standing on. But God's Word is is so solid no matter what is going on in the world with all of its shakings and all of its rumblings and the uncertainty of markets that are moved by fear or moved by greed or whatever is going on God's solid all the time day and night when you get on his platform then you have something that is proven and successful, unlike all the unstable things that are out there in the world system, all the gimmicks, all the tricks, lotteries, and all the other stuff that would be unstable. God has a proven method. What is it? It's principles. You live your life by principles. Whatever you have right now, be a good steward over it, and God will bless you tithe right where you're at right now. Because if you're making $1,000 a week, and the, the Lord says the tithe this is, that would be $100. When you honor the Lord right where you're at right now, then you're ready for $5,000 a week. You're ready for $20,000 a week. You're ready for a million dollars a week. If you will be faithful right now, right where you're at, even if it's $120 a week, it doesn't matter. If you'll honor the Lord right now, right where you're at, then the Lord sees 
not not here's talk about but seize the demonstration of your faithfulness and then you are entitled to covenant principles of increase faithful over a little now you're put in charge over more now be very careful with your thinking about what may be considered little sometimes people think oh pastor Stephen, i'm making you know seven thousand dollars a week I'm, I'm really knocking the ball out of the park well hey maybe you're doing better than somebody else that's fine Glad you've got some breathing room or maybe some extra, but in God's eyes, is that really knocking the ball out of His park? No, God has much broader areas that He can take you to. He can take you from a financial lake to a financial Pacific Ocean, okay? But so much of this uh, depends upon us doing our part, working the principles of God, and following them very closely. Verse 12 is a good example. This would be uh, Luke 16, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? I'll never forget the time that uh, me and Kelly were leasing or renting this one house uh, here in Moravian Falls. And, you know, we're just, we're just renting. We're leasers. And uh, we know that this is not our ultimate destination of where we're going to end up living or owning. We're, you know, we just, we're just leasing here. But nevertheless, while leasing that property with the home belonged to a Christian lady, her and her husband. And, uh, you know, she had uh, ambitions for ministry and things like that. But, uh, you know, she was a nice, nice landlord. Hardly ever saw her. She lived in a different place. So I never really saw her just mail the rent check every month. But, you know, while living there, I just thought, you know what, I can do things to make this place look better. And there was, you know, because it was like a mountain type home. Uh, there was a lot of briars and weeds in the back. And I, I just cleaned all of that up on my own time, on my own accord, using my, uh, you know, getting uh, another friend of mine out there and myself using weed eaters and stuff like that and a little sweat equity. We just went out there and cleaned all that, all that up. And I didn't even own the property. I'm just renting, just leasing. But I just thought, you know, it's just the right thing to do. And then I would see other things that uh, needed TLC, uh, tender loving care, you know, uh, building, uh, you know, just certain things that you can do to make things work better, get the leaves out of the gutter and stuff like that. And uh, it's not my house, but you know what? I just thought one day, I, I you know, I want to own my place. And uh, so while I'm here, I'm going to take care of this house like it were mine. No, it's not my house. It belongs to the, to the lady to the landlord, but I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take good care of it. And me and Kelly took very good care of that rental home. But oh my, ooh, hallelujah. Look, look, I'm telling you, if you work principles, you're going up. But if you play fuddy-duddy stuff in life, and you know, you, you burn people, rip people off, and uh, you know, you, you don't honor the Lord with your finances, you know what, you're never going to get those principles to give you lift, because you're actually working against them. I will never forget the day sitting in my office at the church uh, at, at the ministry at that time we had our our ministry in uh, a, a different location of the county but I'm, I'm there at the office and uh, you know my wife was there other office workers are there things are going on and uh, I was told uh, Pastor Stephen there's somebody here to see you and much to my surprise it was the landlord who stopped by my ministry office and she came by and she said Stephen she, uh, she for, first of all, we showed her around the offices and showed her what we're doing, and she could see, you know, the work that we're doing for the Lord, and it really just, I, I suppose, uh, it just caused more confirmation to come into her spirit concerning what she had heard from the Lord to do. She came by the office to tell me these words. Uh, Stephen, when I was in prayer, the Lord told me 
to give you my home. Woo! Woohoo! Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, this stuff, this stuff is just, and this stuff doesn't really work. You're talking to the wrong person. You're talking to a person who knows from experience that if you work the principles, they'll work for you. Praise the Lord. Are you doing that? Praise God. Verse 12 again, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Your present place of employment right now. Are you treating that job in a sense that you're doing such a good job that the Lord could look at you and say, you know what? That person is treating that job like it's their own. It's time I raise him or her up to have their own business. Woo, praise the Lord. Oh, yes, God can do it. God can do, God can do these things, but you're going to have to work the principles. And uh, the lady was true to her word. She, uh, we, we together drafted a document, and uh, basically she had already paid the house way down, and the mortgage had been paid way down. And so what was remaining, she just said, hey, whenever you get a loan to take over it, take over it. I'll sell it to you at the price of what it has been totally paid down to. So the house already had been paid way down. It's got equity in it. So, I, you know, uh, shortly thereafter, my wife and I were able to get the loan and uh, just bought the house. And uh, here we are owning a home that, in a sense, had been given to us because she'd paid it so far down. Oh, what a blessing. Hallelujah. But see, I'm out there. I'm out there uh, trimming things and cleaning gutters out and doing all that stuff. And uh, Why? Why, why? Because you just want to take good care of things. And you know, when, like, like example, when the landlord lived a couple hours away, there's no way they can oversee these things probably the way that they should be. So I'll pull some extra responsibility. I'll treat this place like it's my own. And I'm going to run, I'm going to run a tight ship here. Praise God. My friends, when you do stuff like that, you're going up. Hallelujah. Now the carnal selfish mind says, well, why should I do that? Uh, that that's just a total way. What, what's that going to do to help me? Those are people that don't understand principles. And that's why they're struggling. That's why they're struggling. That's why they're living paycheck to paycheck. They don't operate by principles. They operate by selfishness and me first. And they're still, they're still struggling because of that. Because when you put the Lord first and his, his commandments, you'll find out Jesus knew what he was talking about. Woo, hallelujah. So we have to obey them. Now, let's work principles today. Let's do what the Lord said. Let's honor Him. He said in His Word that the tithe, which is 10% of your gross income, that He said the tithe belongs to Him. So when we do that, it allows the ministry to keep moving forward. It allows the gospel to continue to expand and spread around the world. And so let's just work principles. And as we do, the lifting comes. It just comes along with it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, zip code 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithes and offerings in online, it's very safe, secure. You can do so 365 days a year. It's open and available. Hallelujah. Also, highly encrypted and very safe. Praise God. That's very important. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can visit the ministry website if you would like to give online. The site is stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings Sow and Reap, and you can go there anytime and bring them into the storehouse of God. There at the website, there's also a header at the top, and you'll see a header called Projects. And uh, we have two current projects that we're working on. If you would like to do something beyond the tithe and sow some uh, special seed into those accounts, either one or the other, whatever you'd like to do by the Spirit's leading, it would be a blessing. We have the, the ministry fence project, 
and we also have the Ministry Aviation Hangar Project as well. Those are available on the website. Thank you so much for your giving into the work of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray over your people that as they govern their life by principles, we thank you that you're lifting them, lifting them out of all difficulty, any shame, any financial shame, you're going to remove it completely, and you're going to bring great financial dignity in their lives along with integrity and honor. I thank you, Father God. They're going to be like the elders that would stand at the gate back in the Old Testament days, the elders that would sit around the gate, the ones that had the wisdom. Father, you're making your people wise in your ways, and your people are people that are governed by the principles of your word. We thank you, Father, for the success favor and blessing that that brings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting some testimonies from you. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody blesses you with the house, blesses you with the car, and uh, or, or blesses you with an expansion. Why? You're working principles. By the way, the lady that sowed that house into my life, she now has an apostolic ministry today that is continuing to grow and flourish. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God blessed her. Hallelujah. And of course, you know, there, there came a time when my wife and I, we sold that house, and the Lord moved us on to the next thing that He had for us. I tell you what, the Lord is good. He'll take you from glory to glory, strength to strength, and faith to faith. Hallelujah. But that was a very special blessing during that season of my life, and God has continued to bless me from thence on. Praise God. So, He's good. He is so good. Now, today, let's talk about the subject of throwing down. I would even ask you, can you throw down? Pastor Stephen, what are you talking about? Let's jump into it in today's conversation, today's sermon. I'm going to be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 7, and we're going to start today in verse 7. Praise God. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as, as we go into your word, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate the scriptures with brilliant light so that we can understand them and apply them to our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for giving us our daily bread, your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. I want to talk about can you throw down? In the medieval ages, when you had the knights and you had, uh, you know, the, the proverbial knights in shining armor, and uh, there was a time uh, during that era where uh, there was a culture of honor, and there were certain things that if they insulted your honor, you would be willing to fight, even fight to the death over the protection of your so-called honor. Now, I'm sure a lot of that, there was a lot of pride and ego mixed into that, and people probably died needlessly, but nevertheless, that's just what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. All right, so what would happen back in, during the, uh, the, the time of the knights and, and their horses and the, you know, the chivalry and all of that stuff is that if a knight came to you and he, you know, somehow there was something, some, some kind of a contention between you and this other person, and you're both, let's say you're both knights, and the knight came to you and he took off his gauntlet. Now a gauntlet, uh, this is not the same as, maybe, the, maybe you've heard the phrase called running the gauntlet. Now that, that's a different phrase, it comes from a different meaning, even comes from a different culture, that's Swedish in background. I'm not talking about running the gauntlet, I'm talking about throwing down the gauntlet. This is a different type of uh, historical meaning. 
but to throw down the gauntlet meant that the knight, uh, the knight would take off his glove. And it was, it was not like a leather glove. It was actually an armored metal glove. And he would take that off. And if he took that off and he threw it at your feet, that meant that he's challenging you. And if you didn't respond to that challenge, which was usually done publicly, then, uh, you know, you, you just walk away and everybody thinks you're a coward and everybody thinks you're a very dishonorable person. So, you know, if, if you, you were supposed to pick the glove up. And if you picked the glove up, that meant that you took the challenge, whatever it was, whether it's going to be a joust and you and he running, as, you know, riding horses, coming towards each other as fast as you can with long poles, trying to knock the other one off or whatever it might be. You were supposed to, you know, respond to any type of a throwdown challenge. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My question to you today is, can you throw down? Now, in uh, the English today, that phrase, throw down, has become, uh, you know, like a, a slogan that's, or, or slang, as we would say, which mainly means to, like, engage. Sometimes, like, uh, fighters will say, hey, it's time, I, I want to throw down with you. That means they, well, they want to get in a fight and see who's going to win. <laughs> Uh, crazy stuff like that. But the throwdown basically means to respond to your competition who challenges you, whether it's football or sports or these types of things. It says, hey, you ready to throw down? Are you, are you ready to go out on the field and play and engage? And so we see it in the natural. But my friends, you have to realize there could be times when the enemy uh, he can bring it, and he'll say, hey, you know, I, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. What are you going to do about it? And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can respond, and you can humiliate him for doing that. Now, let me share with you another side of the coin. There can be times where the Holy Spirit moves upon you to go to the enemy or into the enemy's camp, and you're the one that takes the gauntlet off, and you throw it down, and you're basically telling the enemy, hey, I'm here to take over, and I'm here to take authority, and, uh, and if you don't do something about it, I'm plowing ahead, because I mean business. So uh, you, you can usually uh, expect the enemy to respond, not always, but usually, usually he does. So you wouldn't want to do this in the flesh. You only do these things by the Spirit, praise the Lord. I had a, a person email me one time and say, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to go confront all of the witches in this certain area, and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge them to, a, you know, kind of like an Elijah, you know, prophets of Baal type, you know, like, let's all bring it out in the open, see who's the true God. And I said, absolutely do not do that. You're doing that in the flesh. And not only that, uh, you know, I, I personally knew this person had no spiritual depth. So he was just wanting to stir up trouble in the flesh. And when people do stuff like that, uh, there's going to be defeat. So you don't want to do anything unless the Holy Spirit is moving you in situations like this. Nevertheless, uh, throwdowns do take place in the spirit realm often. And it could be something where you initiate it because the Holy Spirit is, is leading you to. When that happens, it's usually a very strong directive from the Lord, maybe even, as we would say, like uh, hearing the voice of God or something very powerful to lead you into that experience. And there can be other times where the enemy, he just shows up, throws it down, and he's waiting for you to respond. And we see examples of this in the Bible, and these types of things happen uh, even still today. So let's jump into it. We're in Exodus chapter 7, verse 7. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. I know I'm speaking to some people today. Your best days are right now. Don't look at your age. Don't look at your past. Wherever you're at, it's time to get up and get going with the Lord. Even if you're 80 or 83, you're not too late. Praise God. 
You're right in the season that God has for you right now, whatever that time frame is. Jump on in. Praise God. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. Now, this is already something that Moses has gone through with the Lord during the, the initial call at the burning bush that, you know, there was also, you know, God telling him, you know, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. And the Lord said, well, throw it down. And he threw it down and it turned into a serpent. And, uh, you know, it, it startled Moses. Moses actually, it says he ran away from it. And the Lord said, he said, no, go, go pick it up, grab it by the tail, which is also pretty crazy because if you watch the, uh, the animal channels, you know, with all the, you know, I guess snakes are popular today. You, if it's a venomous snake, you pick it up behind the head or, you know, on the backside, uh, way up high, just below the, the, the head of the snake. You never grab the tail because they can turn around and bite you. But the Lord told Moses, pick it up by the tail. So that that required faith to reach out and do that. But when God's speaking and God's moving, uh, the, the voice of the Lord certainly inspires tremendous, even what we would call supernatural or the gift of faith. Now, verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. Now, Always remember when you watch biblical movies that a lot of times, even some of the most basic biblical movies, uh, they have a lot of room for in, uh, you know, how can we say, you know, the, the director's interpretation. And uh, th that's why I might see some of these movies, the classics or stuff like that. But often they're way off on some of the things that you see portrayed or acted on the screen. And a lot of people think it was Moses that went before Pharaoh and cast down the, the rod. It wasn't. It was Aaron. Well, uh, Pastor Stephen, in the movie, though, you know, the Disney movie, it was uh, Moses that threw it down. Well, yeah, and it, it didn't happen like that. It was actually Aaron who did it. Uh, remember the context. God set it up before Pharaoh and before the Egyptians that really Aaron was the spokesman for Moses. So Aaron was viewed by the Egyptian population as being this heavy prophet, but they actually had a lot more respect for Moses. They, they looked at Moses like he was some kind of a God. <laughs> they were like, we don't know what to think of Moses. Woo! I mean, Aaron's out here doing the works under the authority and directive of Moses, but that's really how that was. So it was actually Aaron who threw the rod down not Moses. Verse 11, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so did the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. Okay, so Aaron, under the leadership of Moses, throws down. Can you throw down? Hallelujah. Would you be ready for a throw down? I, th I think you need to be ready for the Holy Spirit to prepare you for a throw down moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I think I think your spiritual antennas need to be up because I think something's coming where there's going to be an engagement. Okay. Have no fear because the Holy spirit, he will prep you and have you completely ready for the throw down moment. But this is exactly what happened. They threw down Aaron did, uh, you know, right there in the court of Pharaoh, the magicians threw down also. They, they said, Oh, oh, you want to, you want to rumble. Uh, you, you want to, you want to get it on. Okay. You, this, this is our realm. We, we like this. Let's see what you got. You know, uh, you know, talk is cheap, but you know, let's get into it. Woo. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Very interesting. Now, see, when I grew up in church, and I heard this read by the Sunday school teachers, they all kind of translated it the same way. They would tell me and the other you know, young children, we were little children. Now, you know, God had his servant, and he threw the rod down, and then the Pharaoh and the magicians, they did their magic tricks. In other words, it wasn't uh, real snakes, you know, it was, it was like magic tricks. Oh, no, there was, there. Oh, yes, they were musicians, but these were, these were wizards, warlocks, okay? So this is not like magic, like let's do card tricks, you know, pull out a card and, you know, uh, no, this was all out in the open. This is no hocus pocus, you know, you know, let's cover it up and pull it back. Oh, look at the snakes. No, this is all out in the open. They are operating under very, very strong demonic occult power. And I've seen, I've seen miracles before done by Satan. I've seen young Christians fascinated by it. And I tried to explain to them, no, just because it's a miracle doesn't mean it's God. You have to find out what spirit is operating here because the devil can do miracles too. And this was something that was also on that miraculous realm. Now, Verse 12, for every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod, not Moses's, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. In other words, Moses is basically uh, giving a symbolic, you know, representation. We're here under divine authority, and we're taking over. And even though they duplicated, in a sense, that miraculous act through occultic power, um, still, that their snake ate up all of their snakes or the rods that turned into a snake. So he's basically saying, well, you, you know, go ahead, turn your rod into a snake. I'm still consuming your authority because I'm under a higher authority, the authority of God. That's what the rod would represent would be that of authority. And I think that's something that's very important for believers to understand. You know, years back when Dr. Lester Sumrall was alive, who was a mighty Pentecostal preacher, he said uh, it didn't matter anywhere that he went in the world. It, does, it didn't matter what nation he went to. When he was on that plane, the moment he took the last step off the plane, when the plane lands in a, country, a different country, the moment the plane lands and he's walking off the stepway of the plane, the moment his foot touches the tarmac or the soil of that country, He's in charge. He said, I'm in charge now. In other words, he's letting the demons and the evil spirits know that I'm a man of God. I'm a general in the faith, and I'm here to take charge. We're going to get people saved and delivered and demons cast out. And see, the, the evil spirits know that. The evil spirits know, hey, we've got, we've got a general from the, from the kingdom of light that just landed. And the, the, see, generals know who they are in Christ, and they know how to uh, operate in the authority of the Lord. Nevertheless, verse 13, we see that Pharaoh's heart grew hard. But see, my friends, here is the initial throwdown, and God's bringing it, and the enemy's trying to respond, trying to keep up. Round one, let's keep going. Verse 19, then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt. How many of you have seen in the movies Moses doing that? <laughs> Always go back and read the initial script. Praise God. It's often different. Stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 20. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. Verse 22. 
Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. These are very powerful warlocks. These are men that have sold their soul to Satan and are tapping into occult power. Okay, so they're working their enchantments. So they 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 match the miracle. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. That's okay. Round two, that's all right. The Lord's going to keep on throwing the gauntlet down. Are you ready? Chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. My goodness. Verse 3, So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly. Okay, and it talks about how many frogs are going to show up. And it's going to be an amazing frog demonstration. Verse 5, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So that's a throw down. Hey, you magicians, can you still hang? You ready? Are you ready? Can you match that one? Mm, wow. Verse 7, and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. So the gauntlet's thrown down, they pick it up, and they throw it right back, say, challenged, engaged, let's, let's do it, here we go. So it continues on. Verse 16, so the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand and strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Time to drop the devil right here. It's time to move into the realm of miracles or creative power of God. And verse 17, and they, they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice. Okay, dust turning into living creatures, turning into lice. Okay, we're now in the creative miracle realm. See if the devil can keep up with that one. And it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. That must, uh, how many lice were that? Must have been billions and billions of them. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Now there begins to be a separation. The power pool begins to get stronger and stronger on God's side, and the other side just throws in the towel. Now Pharaoh's still going to resist and say, hey, I, my heart's hard, I'm not giving in. But all, everybody else, even the magicians, even the warlocks, the satanic worshipers, they're like, uh, we can't hang. We, we cannot compete with this level of power. Mm. Woo, even to the place where the nation was destroyed by hail and all of the other plagues. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, it just, the, the land was just torn to shreds. And they all knew we, we cannot handle this power of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, there was a throwdown. And it all ended up being revealed as God's got the power, and nobody can match the power of God. Praise God. God is on your side. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are God's representative in the earth, walk in the anointing and the authority that God has given to you. Praise the Lord. Now, perhaps you're in a sticky part, a sticky spot today, and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I've got, I've got blessings and promises that are supposed to be coming through, and um, I'm not seeing that manifestation, I'm not really seeing the harvest that I know that is rightfully mine in Christ. What's going on? It could be that behind the scenes there's a, there's a throwdown, and the enemy has thrown the gauntlet down, and unless you pick it up and respond in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you're not going to have that testimony that you're looking for. Let's talk a little bit more about this today. We're moving on now to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22, another epic, epic, monumental throw, you know, like total throwdown. This is just like throw it all down in front of, in front of the whole nation. Let's watch, let's let the whole nation see this one also, just like we have the showdown in Egypt. Let's have a showdown in Israel between the man of God, Elijah, and the false prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. You'll find the story. Please meet me there. First Kings chapter 18, verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now there were other prophets of the Lord, not just Elijah, but many of the others were in hiding. And really when it came to the throwdown moment, Elijah was the only one able to do that. But remember, in order to do that, you have to have the word of the Lord. You cannot take your own initiative just to wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm going to go challenge the false prophets and Jezebel and her false system of idolatry. I'm just going to go do that today. You can't do that. You have to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Same way with Moses. He was sent by the Lord. The Lord sent him as a deliverer. If you go without that sending, you go on your own. And even if you have the calling, the, the timing has to be right because Moses initially tried to deliver the people in his own strength and it ended up in total disaster uh, years earlier. But, but you know, you have to do these things in the wisdom and, and in the knowledge of God, how He works, how the Spirit moves, and don't force it. Let the Holy Spirit go with you uh, and, and send you, praise God. When it's like that, there will be victory, praise God. Verse 23, therefore let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then call. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. In other words, yeah, that's a pretty easy contest. Whoever shows up and answers by fire, yeah, that's, yeah, we'd like to see that. Okay, yeah, okay, that's, we're all on board. And everybody wants to see that. Uh, all the cameramen are there. All the news stations are there. The newspapers are there. The journalists are there. And uh, everybody's filming. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody's tweeting about it. Uh, so this is the big moment, praise God. Now, verse 25, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So he's basically saying, you guys can pull your sacrifice together a lot quicker than I can. I'm, I'm just one person. It's going to take me longer, you know, to cut this bull up and everything. So you guys go first, and uh, I'll give you first shot. I'll, you know, no need to flip a coin. I'll just be nice to you, and you get the ball first. Let's see if you can score. Verse 26, so they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. Time to get ecstatic and get yourself worked up in the flesh. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Now look, you can talk like that when you know you're on divine assignment. When you are on divine assignment, it brings a supernatural faith and boldness that only God can give. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, 
or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. Well, if the blood gushed out, the, I guess a few of them hit some arteries and it's splurting out. And you, you can imagine how gross and, and, you know, all of that looked, and also how religiously evil that must have looked. There's nothing weirder than seeing a bunch of people in these, you know, dark, I don't know if their gowns were dark, but these evil-looking gowns the 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 false prophets and you know blood all over the place and um, really a, uh, just bizarre stuff. They're they're trying to get all their evil spirits to help them to get a response so that they can get some fire. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice; no one answered; no one paid attention. Time to um, get the other team on the field. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He puts the altar back together very carefully, gets everything lined up just right. And verse 37 says this very powerful prayer, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it looked up the water that was in the trench. In other words, ultimate victory, ultimate backing of the man of God because he is carrying the assignment of God, carrying the word of God. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And all the false prophets that they were gathered up and they were executed. And um, uh, now you see that another great victory has taken place. The, the, the gauntlet was thrown down. The false prophets picked it up, and they tried to respond. They couldn't respond. They got overran by the power of God, and they all lost their lives that day. So really, you can say that Moses and Aaron, they threw down the gauntlet to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tried to respond, but he lost because God's greater. The Spirit was moving, and so God's people broke through, and there was deliverance. Now, you see here, there, there was a revival that was generated because the gauntlet was thrown down by the prophet of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The enemy tries to respond, but the power of God is stronger. The enemy's power is blocked and hindered. And thus again, there is a win. This results in a different type of deliverance. This is more of a revival. The people of God who had been delivered, going back in the bondage to all the sins in the land, serving all the false gods under the leadership of Jezebel, who brought all of her cultic junk in uh, from the northern, uh, the, the, the neighbors up north of Phoenicia from where she came, being a king's daughter, marrying the king of Israel, and, you know, incorporating all of her, her belief and all of her paganism, basically, and then putting that on the people of God. Well, now with a breakthrough, with the breakthrough, now there is revival, people coming back to the Lord. My friends, really, if you'll stop and think about it, what it's coming down to is that the side that wins is the side that wants it the most. And the side that wants it the most has to be willing to make the biggest sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice. If you're willing to do that, if you're really, if you're willing to really dig deep to make a sacrifice, uh, then you're willing to uh, see the victory. Praise God. If you're the one called to throw the gauntlet down and say, I'm breaking through in this area. Nobody ever in my family, in my whole family genealogy has ever broken through. I'm breaking through. Praise God. I'm throwing the gauntlet down. I'm wanting all the evil powers to know you're not holding me back anymore. My friends, if you throw it down, 
It's got to be more than just talk. There's got to be some action, and there's got to be some weight and some force to break it through behind that, praise God. But the Holy Spirit can release that breaker anointing upon you, and you go through. But you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice, praise the Lord. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Let's go today to our third and final example, which is the one I really want to focus on. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 3. I've had people actually email me and ask me about this story. Um, I don't think there's many commentaries that understand the spiritual dynamics that are going on. Most of the commentaries, if you go on the internet, go online, you pull them up, Bible commentaries, they are written by very knowledgeable men that were highly educated, highly studied, fluent in Hebrew, fluent in Greek, and very well intellectually knowledgeable about the customs of the Bible, uh, the language of the Bible. But many of them were not spirit-filled. Many of them were very academic, very intellectual, but they did not know the, what I would call, the dynamics of the spirit realm, and that how that plays a big part in things. Because remember, you have the natural, but you also have the spiritual. And there can be a lot going on in the spiritual, and it can make a heavy impact upon the natural. And that's often what is completely left out of commentaries. While they can be intellectually helpful and helpful in understanding historical perspective and, and, and things like that, they still can't often, unless it's, you know, a writer who's uh, familiar with the moving of the Spirit, the, uh, the theologians can only help you so much. Let's try to dig a little bit deeper today, okay? We're in Second Kings chapter 3. Let's drop down to verse 4. It says, now Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder. Okay, so the king of Moab was Misha. It says that he was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab, of course that would be Misha, he, um, he rebelled against the king of Israel. He, you know, whenever there's a, a change in governmental leadership, uh, the leader going out could have been strong. If, if other nations realize one's coming in that's weak, uh, this could be a good time to make a break. And, to, you know, just as, you know, we're tired of paying tribute, we're tired of paying tax to another nation that previously, you know, subjugated us. Now we're bound by a contract and a treaty, plus by the fact that if we don't pay it, they're going to send an army and, you know, do something not good to us. So, yes, we'll pay your tribute, we'll pay your tax. But there's a shift now in the leadership of the nation of Israel. And the king of Moab said, you know what, I've just, I've just had it with paying uh, this tax. We're not going to do it anymore. It's probably going to start a war, but I have a feeling that we can beat them if they try to attack us. Now, he doesn't know that the king of Israel is going to really form a confederacy and come against him with not one army, but actually three armies. Maybe he wouldn't have done that if that was the case, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. And so, nevertheless, he rebels, and he says, I'm not paying your tax anymore. If it starts a war, so be it. We're just, we're not going to do it anymore. Plus, he's also challenging the new leader, thinking that the new leader is weak and probably doesn't have the uh, discipline to really overthrow him anyhow. Now, this is fascinating about Misha, king of Moab, because there's this famous stone that's called the Moabite stone, and it's actually in the 
famous museum there in Paris, the Louvre Museum. And I've, I've been there and have toured the Louvre, and it's a, it's a fantastic museum. Uh, they need to do something about the crowds. It's just too crowded. <laughs> too many people. <laughs> I don't want to go back to the Louvre Museum unless I can go on some kind of like private tour or something. I, I think, I can't even, I, I don't even know how many people were there the day that me and my family toured it. But, uh, you know, you're seeing these amazing things, even biblical things which is where the Moabite stone is at. But I don't want to go back until I can get a private tour. Praise the Lord. Okay, so uh, the Moabite stone is there. Uh, the Moabite stone was actually uh, a stone that was written, uh, you know, by the king's men, the, the king of Moab, his men wrote this inscription out. It's carvings on a beautiful rock slab. It was done in the year of 840 B.C., and it was discovered by Arabs in the year of 1868. And, of course, you know, it got the stone kind of drifted here, drifted there. It actually got busted one time, and uh, uh, they've found some of the pieces. Some of the pieces on the bottom they haven't found. Uh, but nevertheless, the real stone is actually there in the Louvre Museum. Fascinating. Okay. And don't forget also that Moab, although they're going to be here at war with Israel in just a few more verses, Moab is actually... Uh, their relatives of the children of Israel. Remember, Abraham had his nephew Lot, and Abraham, he took Lot with him when he left the Ur of the Chaldees, and he came to the Canaan land. Well, uh, Lot, he got drunk. Uh, th you know, this is later in his life when he's already kind of separated from Abraham, but which was not a good idea, because when he separated from Abraham, he separated from that blessing. Now he's off on his own, and he got into trouble. And so, one night, uh, Lot got drunk, and he had a couple of daughters. The daughters slept with him while he was drunk, and they both got pregnant from their father. It was an incestuous relationship. Now, one of those daughters, uh, actually both of them gave birth to two different nations, but one of the daughters, she gave birth to Moab, and Moab became what we know as the Moabite nation. And so they actually were very closely related, uh, even, even to the point that uh, the Israelis speaking at that time, what was known as Paleo-Hebrew, the Moabites, although they were their own separate nation with their own identity, their language was almost exactly the same as the language that the ancient Hebrews spoke at that time. So the, they could easily talk to each other and converse with, e with each other because their languages were almost probably 97% the same. Very, very interesting. Praise you, Lord Jesus. By the way, Moab, the, the nation of Moab, is in what today would be called modern-day Jordan. And if you go south in Israel, and you start going down towards, you leave Jerusalem, you start, you start going down towards the Dead Sea, uh, it's always something I've always, you know, when taking that trip by bus, when leading tours, you know, throughout Israel, it's always kind of funny, because we would have this one, we've had different, you know, um, how can I say, like a tour guides, you know, the, you know, somebody that's an expert in the, you know, the Hebrew culture and the, 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 the land of the Bible. But there was this one tour guide, he's always so funny. We would always be driving down south. And as soon as you can start to see the Dead Sea, I'm just waiting for it. Suddenly, he gives the, the ecstatic announcement, Behold, the mountains of Moab, from where Ruth came. Mm. 
<laughs> beautiful, but you can look over and there across the Dead Sea are these beautiful uh, mountains when the light in the evening hits, they look, they, they look kind of purple, absolutely beautiful. Well, that was the ancient nation, the ancient boundaries and kingdom area of Moab, praise the Lord, which is today modern day Jordan across on the other side of the Dead Sea. Now let's continue with our story now that we know a little bit about Misha and the king of Moab. By the way the Moabite stone is a stone engraving that the inscri- the inscribers in- engraved word for word spoken in first person by Misha the king of Moab. So they actually found a heavyweight archaeological proof that Misha is a real king he and he he's what he's talking about on the on the Moabite stone is this actual battle that we're about to read about now remember in ancient history uh, writings can be often extremely biased <laughs> and, and the Moabite stone is very biased it's Misha bragging of how he defeated uh, the king uh, of Israel and how he plundered him and took all of his goods and all of his wealth and all of his stuff and how he defeated Yahweh the name or the letters Yahweh are actually on the Moabite stone fascinating well remember uh, history can be vi- very biased depending on who's telling their side of the story if you want to know the real story read the Bible hallelujah okay let's continue on Verse 9, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Israel. Okay, excuse me, the king of Edom. All right, so we have three kings in the confederacy together. They're allies, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, who would be Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom. They all group up together because they're going to go against Misha. Okay, now verse 13, then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. That's because they've been out in the wilderness, you know, trying to go to the area of Moab and along the way, because it's a desert area, and they couldn't find any springs of water. So three armies that have joined together as one army, they're, they're all about to die of thirst. And so they need some help. And uh, Elisha just happens to show up. Maybe he was out wandering around in the wilderness. Who knows? doing what but he happens to show up right when they need a prophet remember right place right time prophetic anointing may it always rest upon your life verse 14 and Elisha said as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat king of Judah that I I would not look at you nor see you he's speaking to the king of Israel but he get, he begins to give the prophetic word make this valley full of ditches for thus says the Lord you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain yet that valley shall be filled with waters so that you your cattle and your animals may drink pretty bold pretty wild prophetic word to give out in the middle of a desert and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord and by the way it all came to pass it all came to pass now remember prophecy can either be conditional in other words the word will come to pass if you meet certain conditions or prophecy at times rarely can be sovereign when God basically says this is coming to pass like it or not Yeah, every devil on the planet can try to stop it. It's not going to happen. This will happen. That's sovereign prophecy. And you have a few rare prophecies that are along that line. Most prophecies are conditional. In other words, if we do our part, believe God, hold to the word, move forward in faith, uh, it will happen. But if you become wishy-washy, doubt the word, or don't push when there's resistance, 
you could end up with a great prophecy that just fell to the ground because you didn't throw down the gauntlet. Mm. You didn't throw down when you had the opportunity. And if you don't respond, when the enemy responds, then he takes, he takes the victory trophy. Maybe not just for the day, maybe for the year, maybe for the next 100 years. Somebody's got to break through. I'm talking to you today under the anointing of the Spirit. You're going to break through. You're going to, if the enemy ever throws down on you, you'll pick it up and you'll throw down and you'll come back stronger and you will win. Praise God. Now let's find out what happened. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 18. The prophet Elijah, heavyweight prophet, prophesying under the anointing of the Spirit, just said, hey, you're going to have plenty of water. Don't worry about it. In verse 18, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The very next morning God did a miracle water flooded into that area where they had made ditches and filled all the ditches all the canals with water everybody is refreshed the horses the animals uh, the, the, the king and all the soldiers now they've got the water now they're ready to fight see that prophecy had a part A and a part B part A God, uh, you know the prophet said God's going to send water it's just going to come rushing in out in the middle of nowhere it's going to worry about it. it's going to come in and the Lord said hey that's easy that's easy, you know, for God to do. And then part B of the prophecy, you're going to overthrow Moab. You're going to take the cities. You're going to take everything. Wow. Okay. God done part A. Let's see part B. By the way, part A is fulfilled in verse 20. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. Okay. Part A of the prophecy done. Now we've got to finish this. We've got to get part B. Let's stop just for a moment and talk. If you ever get a heavyweight word, I'm talking about a prophecy, from a heavyweight prophet, or just from somebody, maybe not a heavy, maybe, maybe, maybe not even full-time ministry, but the word they spoke was so accurate and so from God that you knew God was speaking to that person. Or if God spoke strongly to you with a word and you knew you had heard from God, or if, or if an angel comes to you and brings you a message from, from heaven. My friends, if you get the word, no matter how you get it, but if you get the prophetic word, don't be surprised if you're going to get a throwdown moment. And the enemy says, well, that's a nice word you got. Maybe you've got the first part fulfilled. But you know what? We've had about enough of that, and we're not going to allow you to get the full prophetic fulfillment. And you know what? We're throwing down on you. So we're going to resist you with everything we've got. What are you going to do about it? Mm, the Israelites ran into that. Now, if you're dealing with beautiful prophecies that still, you just, they're, they're not manifesting. They're not materializing. You're looking at a throwdown type moment, and you're going to have to do something you're going to have to respond. And if you don't respond, you could potentially live your whole life out with certain areas of your life where God had something beautiful planned, but it never happened because when the gauntlet was thrown down, you, you just, you stood there with the glove laying at your feet. And you know, th these things um, are not like medieval times where, you know, this is like, you know, soulish pride or soulish honor. No, these things are about destiny honor. These things are about, if you don't do something about it, nothing's going to happen. Pastor Stephen, 
I'm expecting you to pray for me. Pastor Stephen, I'm expecting you to fast on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights for the redemption and the breakthrough of my miracle. Well, if I, if I do that for everybody, I'm never going to eat for the rest of my life. Whoo, praise the Lord. I, I, I like cheeseburgers. I, I have to be honest. I, I like cinnamon rolls. Uh, I have to be honest, sometimes I like a good milkshake. I, if I tried to do this for everybody, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fade away and wither away, praise the Lord. Now, I will pray for you. I will stand in the gap for you and pray for you. But there are some areas of your life which your promise. It's your sacred prophecy. You have to, the, the gauntlet was thrown at your feet, not at mine. Mm-hmm. Pastor Stephen, that denotes personal responsibility. Yes. What are you going to do? Hallelujah. What are you going to do? Come on, rise up. Pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and be the man of woman of God that God called you to be and get off the silly charismatic cruise ship and get on the battleship of God and blow the devil out of your life and these blockades of evil. Blow them out of the way and break through. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I didn't expect the enemy to put up a fight. Pastor Stephen is going to interrupt my television program show. Well, then you just need to embrace defeat. That's what it is. That's what it, you're, you'll have to embrace defeat. Mm, somebody needs to do something. That somebody is you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We all have to carry our own weight. Glory to God. Now, there's a point for young Christians. You can pull them. You can carry them. They can ride your coattails. But there's a point God says, I can't have you wearing diapers anymore in the spirit realm. You're going to have to grow up, become a person of faith. And that means you're going to have to become a warrior. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, this makes me nervous. Get over it. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. And take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and rip the devil. Hallelujah. Mm. Gouge some demons, hallelujah, praise God, and break through. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 25, the battle's hot. Oh, Misha threw down. Mm. Say what you want about Misha. He was a great exaggerator. He told some big fibs on the Moabite stone. I did this, I did that. No, you didn't. It's a bunch of hot air. But you will have to say about this about him. He was a very worthy opponent. <laughs> he didn't hand over nothing free. Mm, he's like, if you want it, come take it. Because we're putting up a fight. And he's only doing that because the greatest prophet of the day, Elisha said to the people of God, he said, God's given it to you. Now go take it. But Misha's like, I don't care what kind of a prophetic word you're getting. I don't, and I, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with I, who spoke it. I know he's a prophet, I don't, but I don't care what he said. He said, if you want this, you're going to have to throw down just like I am. Don't be surprised if you get have a sacred promise, a sacred prophecy, something that's gold that came from heaven. Don't be surprised if the enemy says, oh, that's nice. We're going to fight you over that. Woo! Because I can, I can just go ahead and tell you, he most likely will. Hmm. Mm. He's not going to fight you over the fact, I got a word from God. God's going to give me a pair of new penny loafers. The devil's just like, go ahead and get your prophecy fulfilled. I ain't fighting nobody over a pair of shoes. But I'll fight you over over something 
that is destiny related. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 25, then they destroyed the cities. I mean, they're actually doing it. They're fulfilling the prophecy part B. And each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. They stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. It's happening. They're going to do it. Or are they? But they left the stones of Ker, Hereseth intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab, that would be Mishael, recorded in archaeological history on the Moabite stone, who skeptics, skeptics and atheists said, oh, this guy didn't even exist. Well, they sure got exposed for their silly lie. Okay, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. Watch this, verse 26. Oh, I've had, I've had emails, Pastor Stephen, explain verse 26 and verse 27 to me. I don't understand it. Okay, let's get into the spirit now. All right, verse 26. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he gave up and quit, didn't he? No, no, he threw down. What do you do when the enemy throws down on your prophecy? That came from God, that came from a, prof, a heavyweight prophet, that came from heaven itself. What do, you, what do you do when the enemy throws down on your prophecy? Do you pick up the gauntlet? Does it, does it mean that much to you that you'll engage the enemy in spiritual warfare over it? You, you didn't really think it was just going to happen so easily and so smoothly, did you? I don't, I don't think you did, but did you really realize it would begin to get this intense? And that whatever he does, you're going to have to somehow match it or outdo it. Woo! To the point, just like Pharaoh's warlocks and musicians and sorcerers just got to the point they couldn't keep up. They're like, okay, uh, Moses and Aaron, they're in the league of their own. We can't hang anymore. Elijah pushed it and broke it through. To even the false prophets are like, okay, yeah, he won. Go ahead and cut our heads off. <laughs> yeah, we'll line up. Cut our heads off. Those over the cliff. Fair enough. You won. You picked up the gauntlet, and you, you know, we, we couldn't hang with you. But what do you do when the enemy, like the other times, just, just pushes? Woo! But now, you know, you, you see things like this happen. Verse 26, And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the kingdom of Edom, but they could not. Oh, they're like, okay, take the king out if we can kill him. We've killed one of the three, and it's going to also cause, like, it's going to break the mo their momentum. So put all the force on, the, on getting to that. They still couldn't get to the king. He's down to, he's going to have to do something desperate. Misha is going to have to do something desperate, or he's, he's finished. And they're going to kill him. They're pressing on the city. They're about to break through. All of his soldiers are going to be slaughtered. He's going to be slaughtered. It's, it's down to the wire. What's he going to do? He threw down. That's what he did. And maybe that's why there's a blockage in your life. Because the enemy has thrown down on you, and you're not responding. And you just somehow think it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. You're going to, you're going to need to pick up the gauntlet. And you're going to have to throw down against him. With equal or greater force. Watch this. And so they tried their breakthrough to the king of Edom, but they could not. Verse 27, then he took his eldest son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall for everybody to see. I want all three of you kings to see what I'm about to do. You're going to mess with me. 
You're going to try to shake my kingdom? I'm throwing down on you right now. And he took his eldest son. Probably, you know, when you have a father and a son, probably look just like the king in the king's image. Takes his eldest son and sacrifices him alive on the wall. So that the Isra all three kings, Israel king, Judah king, uh, Edom king, they all can see it. All of their soldiers can see it. There's something about the smell of burning flesh that um, it, it'll mess with you. It's not, it's, it's not natural. You're just like, this thing that's burning, this is not good. This is horrible. It smells awful. And he slaughtered and he sacrificed his son in the fire, alive. You can imagine the screaming. Now, now the soldiers that are trying to take the city, they're, they're seeing this. They're seeing the, the demonic brutality of this. And they're they're seeing they're seeing the blood. They're hearing the young boy scream, and uh, and then they're smelling him as he's burned alive. And the king of the king of Moab he threw down everything he had, the most valuable thing he pulled out. He said, "You want you want to shake my kingdom? You want to break through on me? Okay, here's what I'm throwing down. What are you going to do about that?" He meant business. I'm telling you. If you want to break through, there's going to have to be sacrifice. And if you think there's not, you're living in la-la land. You're living in some kind of a make-believe Christianity that does not work when the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Woo! So again, verse 27, then he took his eldest son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation, hatred against Israel. So they departed from him. And remember, Israel initiated this. The king of Israel initiated this. You're rebelling. You're not paying your tribute. So there was such hatred against the king of Israel uh, from Misha and his soldiers and, you know, his, the citizens of his kingdom. So they departed from him. All three armies backed off, departed from him, and returned to their own land. Pastor Stephen, why couldn't they respond? Now, now see, people that are academic, they, they don't get it. They're like, well, hey, okay, yeah, so he offered his son. Well, so what? Just go ahead and just keep the push. Keep, keep pushing on the city. Break the doors down. Kill them all. You can't. When he did that act, something was released in the spirit realm. And I, I've, I've felt it before. I've seen it before when... There, it, there is a release of evil power. And it, what he did in the spirit realm by this blood sacrifice offering, not, not of, you know, just some random citizen in his kingdom. He took his own son, and he made such a heavyweight sacrifice in the occult demonic realm that it released evil power, and it went like a shockwave over uh, not just a physical shock of them seeing this man, the king, crucify, not crucified, excuse me, but sacrifice his own son. But the trauma of it and the shockwave went over them and just whoo, backed them off. They're like, and it knocked all the wind out of them. And they're just like, we don't have a spirit to fight after this. Now, unless you have experienced that, it may be a little hard to understand, but I felt it before. I felt evil power. I've, I know what it is to feel waves of evil power hit you and try to back you off and say, hey, you're not coming on this turf unless there's sacrifice and you break us. Until that, we're putting up a fight. 
And so that's what happened. They couldn't match. They couldn't match what's going on in the spirit realm. Well, Pastor Stephen, how, how are they supposed to respond? I'm not really sure because, you know, first of all, the king offered, King Misha offered his son. It's not like, you know, some, you know, it's not like the, the king of Israel and the king of Judah and the king of Edom could have said, hey, let's get a soldier. Somebody grab a soldier. Let's offer him as a sacrifice. You, you, you can't do that. Like, first of all, because that's, that's not going to be the weight or the worth of the sacrifice given by Misha, who gave his son. So it's not just a son, it's a king's son. So if somebody's going to counteract the evil wave, shockwave of evil that has just been released so strong, it backed them all down. I mean, it just whoop, took every fighting spirit out of them. The wave of evil was so strong. You're not going to counteract that unless there is an equal and greater sacrifice made. And if it is, if it's going to be somebody's son, it's going to have to be a king's son. Now, I'm not saying God's requiring human sacrifice. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying whatever you're going to do, it's going to, be a, it's going to have to be a sacrifice. Because he, he gave the best he could. And see, in the spirit realm, these dynamics play out. The devil knows if you mean business or not. And if you're fake, they'll call you on it. And if you don't really mean it, they'll, they'll, they'll call you on it. They'll expose it. So you don't want to engage unless you really mean it. Unless you're like, hey, I'm in. And I, I don't know how I'm going to counteract that. But I'm going to go before God. And there's going to be a release. There's going to be anointing. God's going to show me what to do. And I'm going to release it. And I'm going to overpower you. You know what? When Misha did that. And these three armies disbanded and went home, despite Elisha telling them, thus says the Lord, the water is going to come, everybody's going to have plenty of water. And it happened the next morning, and Elisha also said, and you know, the Lord also says, hey, the water thing is real easy, I'm also giving you Moab, I'm giving you their territory and, and all that, and they just couldn't do it. Why, why could they fulfill the first part? but not the second part of the prophecy. They were not willing to throw down. They were not willing to sacrifice on the level that the king was willing to sacrifice to keep it. And because of that, Moab was untouchable for the next 200 years. No more tribute. No more tax. No more Israel enjoying that blessing. There was a rebellion. And what he did that day, just Israel couldn't touch it for another 200 years. My friends, maybe you could do something where you break through in a way that should the Lord tarry. I don't think we have that long, but should the Lord tarry, maybe you could create such a victory that it established a victory for you and your descendants for 200 years, or 20 years at least, praise God, amen, or at least for the rest of your life. Something so powerful that a blessing is released. Why? You fought for it and you won. Mm. Mm. You know, the gospel is only spread through sacrifice. Victories also in your personal life of breaking forth. Uh, these things aren't easy. They're, they're one through sacrifice. You know, I was meditating earlier on some things that happened in the history of Dr. David Youngie Cho, pastor of the world's largest church. Now, he's now kind of like semi-retired, but... Back in the 50s, he started a very small church, started with five people, and grew to be over one million people. And, you know, the, the one million church members, 
by the way, that are, that are all tithers, okay? The one million church members, really, he, the church growth was so fast and so strong that many members he gave away to other churches, because just trying to contain all the growth. But the church members un, underneath the umbrella of his pastoral site, uh, it's fascinating how that growth took place through a lot of prayer. But while they started with five people, God began to bless because they were they were just praying so strong and they're praying asking God for souls. And so God began to bless and the church began to grow. But they reached a point where they needed a building. And you know, Korea, South Korea at that time, late 1950s, early 1960s, was nothing like it is today, because I've been to Seoul, Korea, and Korea is a beautiful, very modern nation today, with uh, luxury hotels and skyscrapers, and uh, uh, you know, even a great impact on America through a Hyundai and Genesis and, uh, you know, Samsung, and uh, or Samsung mainly, excuse, excuse me, is in uh, Taiwan, but uh, so many things now coming out of a Korea, uh, South Korea, that are a great blessing, not only to their nation, but to the world, into America, and it's a beautiful country. I've been uh, to. I've been the minister before in Seoul. But back then, in the 1950s and 60s, it was nothing like it is today. It was a very impoverished nation. Uh, so their their rise of economic growth has been uh, almost unprecedented in some ways. Now back to the story. They got to a point where they needed a a church building because the growth was so fast that they have to have a better facility. So. Dr. Cho said, we, we need to trust the Lord for finances, and we need to all give into this. So he made the presentation to the people. And, uh, you know, many people in the church were very poor. Uh, there was a lady in the church that was a widow, and she didn't know anything except one thing, a rice bowl. That's all she had. And a, a rice bowl also, it's not just like a cup here in America. A rice bowl in that culture was something that could be passed down from generation to generation. It was, it could be a family heirloom. So the only thing that this elderly lady owned in the church was a rice bowl, and she gave her rice bowl in the offering. They asked her, you know, how are you going to eat? She said, I'll just eat, eat with my fingers. So she gave the uh, the only thing that she owned, which was a rice bowl into the offering, and when she did that, which was a great sacrifice for her, everybody saw that, and they knew the level of sacrifice that was, and it triggered giving. And uh, there was a businessman in the church, when he saw her give that rice bowl, he gave $12,000. And then another lady who saw her do that, because uh, it inspired faith, she had real long hair. She cut her hair, and took her hair, and sold it to a wig company. And now she has an offering, and so people are giving very sacrificially. Dr. Cho asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what can I do? The Lord said, give what you own. And the only thing that he and his wife owned was their home. And he said that when he told his wife what the Lord had said about sell your home and give it, uh, he said his wife wouldn't talk to him for a week. I, I can understand, because for a woman, uh, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing in the life of a woman, is security. They want to have security. And so uh, he said that his wife wouldn't even speak to him for a week. But he said during that week, the Lord was working on her heart. And so a week later, she came actually with a great excitement for the Holy Spirit, a joy from the Holy Spirit that, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. So they sold their home. They took all of the money from the home sale, and they put it into the, um, the church building project, and money just began to pour in. And so they built 
a beautiful church. But my friends, all of these things uh, came by sacrifice. There was a time in Dr. Cho's life um, where he almost died because he pushed himself to exhaustion by preaching and just doing so much for the ministry that he, that he passed out and he almost died. They took him to the hospital and he had a very uh, weak heart. And so it looked like he was going to die. So all the church members began to pray and fast for him and intercede for him. They had all night prayer meetings for him. And one of the ladies who was the, the strongest head, uh, the strongest intercessor, she actually went to the hospital and went to his room and laid underneath the hospital bed. And while he's there in the hospital bed, she's laying underneath the hospital bed, fasting and praying for him nonstop. And uh, so Long story short, he was raised up. God did heal him, and he was able to return to ministry and build his health back up. But that lady said that she heard Dr. Cho praying, and Dr. Cho was praying to the Lord, and he uttered something in English, and he said, the gospel is spread only through sacrifice. Ah, hallelujah. Well, see, the spread of the gospel takes place through sacrifice. And my friends, you breaking through in the sacred areas of destiny for your life, where there's blockades, you're only going to get there by sacrifice. So if you see a Misha in your life somewhere, a king of Moab saying, hey, I've heard about your prophecy, and I'm aware of what God spoke to you. Hope you're happy about it. That's nice, but you're never going to see it because I'm establishing a blockade. You see, and unless you're willing to throw down with him, there's not, there's not going to be an overthrow of his kingdom. And because the Israelites could not overthrow him, he broke free, and he established an independent reign for 200 years and didn't give Israel a penny. My friends, it's time for the devil to be underneath your feet. It's time for the powers of darkness to be underneath your feet. And it's time for you to throw down on the devil and say, enough's enough. You're not, you're not have, I'm not having any more of you in my life, devil. I'm throwing you out, you and all of your baggage. I've seen your challenge. I take your challenge. The blood of Christ is greater. I plead the blood of Jesus against you. And I'm ready to throw down and see the Holy Spirit will give you instruction on what you need to do. What is the sacrifice that you would be willing or need to be willing to make in order to break through hallelujah and when you do that when you do that you will go through praise God but will there be sacrifice yes praise God maybe prayer maybe seeking the Lord more strongly uh, you know maybe maybe you're not tithing and you need to tithe maybe uh, various things maybe you need to sow and things like that the Holy Spirit will show you because every, every case is different every case is different but all I know is this that if that king of Moab was willing to make that kind of a sacrifice and throw down, if, if you're not willing to make a sacrifice and throw down, he's going to win. He's, it's checkmate. He's got you. So, and you, you may be shocked. You may be shocked at how much of a resistance the enemy is willing to put up. Now, if you're seeing that, be assured that if you ever break through, it's going to be something big time good. That's why. That's why there is such uh, opposition. So the Holy Spirit will show you what you need to throw down. Skid in the game, as they call it. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But you know what? God's with you. He'll help you break through. But you just need to be willing to know that in the spirit realm, these dynamics are very, very real. Don't be surprised when, the, when Pharaoh's uh, magicians throw down. You come in, throw down. Don't be surprised when they throw down. The, the, you know, but just remember, there there will be a breaking away point. There will be a breaking away point, and then you can break through. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I sense obstacles, opposition. You can read the Bible. You know the Bible. You know the Word. You know the promises. But you're like, Lord, why is it, why is it not happening? A price, a price is not being paid. Praise God. And that's something for you and the Holy Spirit to discuss. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm also, this is what I'm getting by the Holy Spirit. Some of you have beautiful words, beautiful prophecies. And some of the prophecies are duplicate, triplicate, where prophets or, you know, you know, men and women of God, they're picking up on this thing for you, and they're prophesying accurately into your life. And maybe you've got the same word four or five times from different prophets. And you're like, Lord, this thing's real. It is real. But it'll still sit on that shelf until you're ready to throw down a sacrifice strong enough to overthrow the, the, the resistance of the enemy through what he's willing to do. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Maybe somebody in your family lineage sold out your, in, the entire family line. Maybe they made a sacrifice to Satan. And maybe they said, you know what, I dedicate my, my you know, descendants all to Satan. And I'm, I'm doing this throwdown, and I'm, I'm willing to, you know, do a, you know, human sacrifices and stuff like that. And maybe they did something like that. Maybe that's why there's a, a blockade in the spirit realm running down through the family lineage, why the family, you know, maybe they, they all get this disease, all get a heart disease or something like that, or all die young or something something like that, or there's just a curse, obviously, um, running somehow in the line. Maybe something awful was done. Maybe, maybe a greater sacrifice needs to be made to offset that and break that wicked, awful thing. Praise God. And it could be you're the only one out of all the people that has come down that line. You're the only one with the guts, the courage, the wisdom, and the revelation to know how to deal with it and who's willing to deal with it. Praise God. Now rise up and do what the Holy Spirit shows you to do. Praise the Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit's with you. Woo, he'll help you. He'll help you to throw, overthrow every work of the enemy. But see, these can be big things that affect generations. That, that was a major thing going on. Three kings against one king. And he was so serious about it. That's why he made such a sacrifice. Who would have known? Israel probably had no idea. This is going to set the course. Who, throw down, who throws down here the most is going to set the course for the next 200 years. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Who's going to win the next election in America? It's probably who's willing to throw down the most. It, it, you know, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Woohoo! Glory to God. Who's going to pray and fast for the president? Who's going to lift up the nation? Or, or else it could just go over the edge. And if the, you know, the enemy has his way and somebody gets in there who's ungodly and begins to wreck it, you know, it could begin to go down very, very quickly. So, you know, if somebody from the wrong side gets in, it could be a mess because all the good will be undone. So behind the scenes, there have to be people that are willing to go before the Lord. You know, we're only like a year out from that. So there has to be prayer for that. But we're not only talking about the nation. I'm talking about your personal life. There are some things where enemies just said, you're never going to get in here. You're never willing to do it. But you know what? I believe you are. You're willing to, you're willing to walk with the Holy Spirit, and He will help you to do whatever is needed to be done. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory. 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 
Glory, 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 glory. You're destined for greatness. You're destined for greatness. There's a battle in the spirit realm. Rise up and be the person that God wants you to be. I know you're going to do it. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that are watching today, that there's a great anointing for victory. There is a great anointing for warfare. There is a great anointing for breakthrough. To not only the breakthrough, just to crush the enemy. So Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that you're stronger. You're stronger. We thank you, Father God. We're breaking through, and your people are breaking through by the anointing of your Spirit. We thank you, Father God, for mighty breakouts, destiny-altering breakouts. Hallelujah. They're not going to be defeated. They're going to go through. Thank you, Father God. And when, and when you go through, others are going to go through because they're going to see that you're, you've done it. The breaker anointing. Come on. Let the breaker anointing come upon you. Hallelujah. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we give you praise for that breaker anointing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Let's take Holy Communion today. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise God. If you're watching today's program, the greatest breakthrough that you can ever experience will be salvation, forgiveness of sins coming out of the kingdom of darkness and Jesus giving you the gift of eternal life which takes you into his kingdom the the family of God if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior and lord let him break you through and set you free right now and bring you he'll bring you into his kingdom he is so strong that no power of enemy no power of the enemy can hold you back okay if you want to receive Christ as your lord and savior pray this prayer out loud right now after me say Lord Jesus mighty Lord Jesus save me now forgive me of all of my awful sins wash my sins away Lord Jesus give me your eternal life I yield my life to you I receive you now as my Lord and Savior write my name in your book of life I receive you Jesus as my King thank you Jesus amen and amen power of God setting you free hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus now let us take communion together now those of you now that are believers that are Christians the enemy even though you have promises many promises many prophecies they're conditional you have to do your part you have to rise up and you have to go into the land of warfare the land of Canaan and drive the enemy out praise God because he will challenge you don't worry about it throw down rise up and take over praise God take over with the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit Heavenly Father we thank you for the bread the juice we bless them thank you Father God this is now the Holy Communion the flesh and the blood of our Savior Father we give you praise we receive the body of Jesus we thank you Father God for your strength and your anointing for battle we thank you that you prepare a table before us in the very presence of our enemies we eat this is the table of the communion and we are refreshed thank you father in Jesus name amen let's receive the body of Christ hallelujah hallelujah glory to God I plead the blood of Jesus over your life as you go to the battlefront and you step in the battle. 
armed with the armor of God. Woo! Glory, glory, glory. I see you as a mighty champion in the army of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I see angels, warring angels, coming to stand with you to fight and to receive and to break into all that God has declared that is your lawful inheritance. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Wash all of our sins away, O God. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father God. Let the blood of Jesus cover us. Thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus on our minds. The blood of Jesus over our physical bodies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus over our thought life. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus over all that we do. Thank you, Father God. We receive his blood by faith. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for a protected life. Thank you for the force field of the blood of Jesus all around us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Always go into battle with the high praises of God in your mouth. The praises of God coming out of your mouth like a sharp two-edged sword. Glory. Glory. You know what? I think those three armies, when they saw that awful sacrifice, that diabolical thing that King Misha had done, I think all of those men and those three kings should have got on their knees together, and they should have begun to praise the Lord. As that shockwave of evil hit them, they should have said, Hold strong, men! Hold strong! In the name of Jesus, let's begin to praise God and begin to worship the Lord. And I believe that somehow the prophetic word would have risen up the Elisha or somebody would have risen up with the word of the Lord of what to do to contradict and counteract that evil thing that had been done praise God and they still could have had the victory thank you Lord Jesus my friends when the enemy throws down on you the Holy Spirit will show you exactly what to do to throw it back down on him hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus you are a person who walks in the authority of Christ. God's power, the dunamis power of God, the dynamite power of God on the inside of you. Don't be afraid of any devil. Hallelujah. Walk with God and walk into victory. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye bye.